Extract from the Corporate Sector Legal Register, Issue 55 Court Case Gamma Delta Beta 6 Accused, Karen Tim Crime, Breach of Contract Court of Jurisdiction, Corporate Bench of Katonica Accused was arrested subsequent to complaint received by Manufactory Overseer X759. On the 15th day of the Galactic Standard Year, Accused was recorded clocking in to his 8pm to 10am shift at 8.14pm. Upon challenge from clock Android, Accused was heard to become irate and uncooperative. Accused's demeanour deteriorated upon receiving an official docking of pay for three hours as per standard law in Labour Offences Section 42. Constable Yan, fearing for the morale and efficiency of the manufactory, bravely subdued the accused by use of a shock stick. At the discretion of the site management committee, the accused was then charged with breach of contract as his shift had started 14 minutes prior to his arrival. Accused offered a plea for leniency, citing previous punctuality and the extenuating circumstance of his skybus having been delayed in traffic. Fine of one week's wages was imposed with a suspended sentence for five years in the Grimdark Spice Mine, suspended for a further 10 years, provided that he maintained 99.5% punctuality. As accused was unable to offer up one week's wages, the court entered into a garnishment arrangement with an interest rate of 400%. The judge commended Constable Yan for his decisive action and provided him a voucher for an extra ration of alcohol. Accused was further added to the shift offenders registry for four years. Hey, welcome to Grimdark Battle Station, the show that applies politics to made-up universes and is on probation for spray-painting dongs all over the corporate zone. In episode 8, we're going to run ahead of the regular plan to take a look at the law enforcement agencies of the galaxy far, far away. This episode is being put together early because Andor is amazing and the space snarks in it are some of the best shithead characters Star Wars has ever produced. From the outside looking in, you'd expect that crime will be a different concept in-universe and so will punishment and rehabilitation of offenders. But interestingly enough, there's really not a huge amount of difference between what we have seen up until now and how policing has operated today and over the past 50 to 3,000 years. Certainly we get enough from Corsac and Legends, Corporate Sector Security and Andor, and the glorified mall cops of The Last Jedi that we've all forgotten about, to know that policing is the same there as it is here, just with a broader range of flavours. With that being said, let's look at the lore to see what housekeeping we need to do before we dive into the galaxy's thin blue line. Now the Star Wars galaxy is massive. It contains as many different political structures as we can imagine, along with a concerning number of planets that have only one type of biome. We all know at this stage that Legends and Canon Star Wars have pretty moderate issues with retconning, discrepancies, and downright dumb facts. The podcast house rules apply. On matters of events, the Canon takes precedence. On matters of scale, whichever source makes the most sense takes precedence. And on matters of conflict or impossibility, real-world logic is applied first. 
It's also important to note that we are not going to look at any separate security services like the ISB, as they require episodes all on their own. We don't have any unitary policing or state security apparatuses in Star Wars as far as I know, so they also won't be a problem. For the purposes of looking at space narcs, we're only going to take policing from the birth of the Empire to the fall of the First Order, and not deal with the Judicials and the Jedi of the Galactic Republic era. I'm open to differing opinions here, but I feel like old school things like that deserve episodes in their own right, with non-Skywalker saga Star Wars almost being a completely different story. Finally, full disclosure. Having worked in law enforcement, there are going to be points where I construct more anecdotal than logical sentences. So please bear in mind that there is criminology, law enforcement theory, and the policing that I have known and worked in. The two aren't always happy bedfellows. When we look at law enforcement and criminology, the question, what is policing, is something that has appeared a lot more frequently in Western societies over the past few years. There are many political issues to do with law enforcement and criminology that have been sucked up by the general media, which as we all know means context has flown completely out the window. Even within our quote-unquote developed world, the idea of how to fight crime is not settled. As society has developed and access to information has improved, the standard narratives have understandably shifted and been challenged. The problem with this is that the idea of what policing is quickly becomes divorced from the historical reality of what policing usually was. When coupled with US cultural dominance, our present picture becomes completely context agnostic, as on the worst day, Generally irrelevant US standards are applied to a history that never even happened. Now, that's a lot of words to say that crime prevention and policing were never, ever some sort of egalitarian evidence-based social service. What policing has always been at its very core is the protection of the status quo through either the maintenance of public order or the protection of certain propertied classes. Now, Policing itself goes back as far as bread and beer do. It has in one form or another been present since the dawn of human civilization. Now back in the day, this meant being the crap out of people who tried to take grain from the pharaoh's stores. It was very much either a formal structure for protecting the powerful, usually kings and queens, or informal structures to dispense natural justice and God's order within communities. Think of old-timey sheriffs. That type of policing existed for over 3,000 years. Modern policing, where the concept of serving the public good became a core feature, is less than 200 years old. Without nerding out on it too much, Robert Peel's principles for policing from 1829 laid the foundation of policing by consent. That simple phrase has been expanded so much, but it means quite simply that the police should always act with the support of the general public based on upholding values of impartiality, fairness, integrity, and the minimum use of force. These rules were so influential that both the Metropolitan Police in London and Commonwealth Police in general are all nicknamed after this one person, Bobbies and Peelers. Yes, these ideas were influential, 
But as you can see from the last 200 years, the idea of policing for the general public, aside from the pharaoh, hasn't exactly been fully realised. The use of law and law enforcement to protect social, economic and racial divides is still present pretty much everywhere. And that can be summed up in one simple hypothetical. If you steal $500 from your workplace, do the police arrest you? If your boss illegally withholds $500 of your wages, stealing them from you, do they arrest him? This is the great thing about Star Wars. There is a planet where every iteration of every political system that we have on Earth, both past and present, exists. There are an infinite number of answers to that hypothetical question. And all of these systems and ways of thinking exist simultaneously, so we can view them easily for the sake of comparison. Sure, they might not be fully developed and be lacking in context, but they operate as more of a petri dish than we have in our own reality. You could spend a lot of time explaining and tinkering with different crime theories, sociological theories, and theories of law enforcement when doing these comparisons, but really you only need to look at three types of, I guess, crime ideas. Classical, centrist, and biosocial. We'll do each in a sentence so we won't get bogged down and you'll probably see why each one is important and very relevant to Star Wars. The classical theory of crime is that people are logical actors with free will and that they are only deterred from crime when the pain and likelihood of punishment outweighs the gain of the offence. It's pure 18th century boomer logic. Centrist approaches are numerous, but they basically believe in fixing some underlying causes of crime, economics, mental health, while retaining effective deterrence. These approaches can pretty much be summed up by thinking about a person who does not want to criminalize homelessness and recognize that homelessness is an intractable problem that requires all government agencies to work together but also doesn't want homeless people anywhere near their suburban neighborhood. Those would be centrist law enforcement people. The final type, which is more of an interesting tidbit about criminology, is biosocial crime, using science to identify the genetics or the psychological contributors to crime. Sort of like phrenology, but not batshit insane. And it's kind of a bit out there, but you guys have probably all heard about traumatic brain injuries, TBI, and how they can be a huge contributing factor into violent offences carried out by people and are used as a legitimate defence for reduced culpability in trials. It's very much a kind of, this is both a social and a scientific problem and we need to solve everything or we will solve nothing. It would be seen as the most modern type of criminology, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the most accurate. But that interplay between using hard science and sociology is probably highly relevant in a galaxy where they're advanced enough to have droids and space travel. Unfortunately, classical criminology is likely the dominant theory in the Star Wars universe with centrism probably being found on planets like Alderaan or Naboo. I include biosocial criminology because 
A, it more than likely inevitably exists on one type of Star Wars planet, and B, it's probably the type of criminology they could have if they weren't busy screwing around with forest-dwelling teddy bears and giant lasers. I think the interesting thing about Star Wars is the vast majority are more Pharaoh's guard than Peel's bobbies. That little shithead Cyril Karn, or rather his superior officers, were the rule and not the exception. So we're going to look at three different models of Star Wars policing today and name them after the areas we think would implement them. The first is the corporatist model, which is pretty self-explanatory. The second is the Chandrillan model, which is overseen by the people of Chandrilla, Mon Mothma's home planet. And the final one is the Outer Rim model, which is the justice Jabba the Hutt promises those who live under his control. Now, the corporatist model exists in canon in many different variations, including its own dedicated sector of space. But with the introduction of the Primor Authority to the Star Wars universe in the first series of Andor, we are introduced in live action to something that before had only existed a long time ago in the Legends canon. Corporations running entire systems and areas of the galaxy as they see fit. The Corporate Sector Authority is a canon entity that ruled area in the Outer Rim via a strategic partnership of various corporate entities, each in control of their own planets. Primor is like a microcosm for this, and you can pretty much guess how each of these systems would have operated. Like most industrialists, they adored both fascism and the ability to amass wealth. To this end, they allied with the CIS during the Clone Wars, the Empire, the Imperial Remnant, and then the First Order. And like most industrialists that supported fascism, they were rewarded with plum contracts and large degrees of autonomy. So what did this look like on the ground? Well, for all intents and purposes, they had complete control over their legal systems. That was, providing they surrendered their anti-subversive institutions to imperial control, and their regular institutions to imperial scrutiny. Imperials don't draw the line at summary execution, so all law enforcement up to and including summary execution was pretty safe to be delegated. Unlike any modern Earth country, the laws of these planets were totally beholden to the profit or power motives of the corporate elite. Again, this usually meant that the courts were a game of power balance rather than an impartial arbiter of justice. A corporatist crime model like this was most definitely traditionalist or classical in perspective. While probably knowing ideologically that it was unsound, practically they would have been in lockstep with any old style thinkers. Crime was an individual moral failing and punishment needed to be swift and severe or completely lacking depending on the context in which the offence took place. The mini Andor spoiler alert for those who have yet to see it. In one episode, we see Cassian kill two cops. Those cops are just glorified security guards on the take, like most third world police. You note that the chief inspector, Hein, wants it swept under the rug. Why? Well, as we see later, any slippage of enforcement is going to be met with decisive imperial action. It doesn't matter how many innocent people you kill, 
provided the mask of the invincibility of the empire does not slip. Corporatist policing is inherently about stability. Even on core worlds such as Corellia, they maintain huge amounts of independence, with astonishingly high crime rates birthing rogues such as Han Solo, because their shipyards and flight academies strengthen the Empire's grip on power. Corsec, the planet's law enforcement, was every bit the space FBI it needed to be, because it aided the Imperial project. While catching criminals is certainly a lauded feature of these policing types, it's more catching poor or unconnected criminals that is the most common crime-fighting activity. But that isn't even going to be their primary function. The protection of property, maintenance of public order, and suppression of labour movements are the key functions of these types of policing agencies. It's also likely that brutalizing alien populations and preventing slave revolts fell under their remit too. So basically, they were most industrialized countries' police forces in the 1920s. So long as the goods were produced, the shipments arrived, and the credits were deposited, the law had been enforced. Hey, nothing wrong with little order, right? Now, if you've listened to this podcast before, you'll know that we think the Alliance to Restore the Republic are a bunch of shitlibs. A shitlib can be many things depending on who is throwing the accusation, but a good example today is Joe Biden, the type of performative liberal who would march with BLM but would balk at drug legalization and love selling weapons to dictators because they're our allies and friends. Mon Mothma, Bail Organa, Padme Amidala, all proponents and beneficiaries of a fundamentally crooked system. For crime and punishment, this basically means that the will to treat symptoms is always there, but the inconvenient treatment of causes is often seen as being too radical. This system is probably the closest to what we have now in most countries, a centrist approach that pleases very few and accomplishes relatively little. Now, I don't want to be too much of a Debbie Downer on this. It's preferable to the corporatist model for the average Jawa, but it's a 75% chance of justice versus a 25% chance. Objectively, not fit for purpose if you want to effectively end crime. You can just see it now. Princess Leia announcing 2 million credits in funding for her royal estate to create 50 new treatment beds for spice addicts, while thousands sit in prison on possession charges. A planet whose exports were wine, art, and luxury goods? Yeah, they're not going to engage in allyship. They're calling the police at anyone with more than four days stubble. Nevertheless, you likely have a good chance of being heard and respected as a victim of crime, so long as your assailant wasn't a member of the galactic protected class or your planet's nobility. If someone stole your stuff or hit you with a jug of blue milk during a bar fight, you might see them put behind bars. For most people, justice would seem to work fine. And sure, those in power get to play by a different set of rules, but you know, justice as a concept exists and rehabilitation is seen as a practical goal that you can work towards. Anti-systemic actions, though, they're going to be quashed. And not with nice words. Chandrilla, the home of Mon Mothma, was a peaceful agricultural world with a pristine environment. Would the population have been brutalized? That's unlikely. 
But just like Republicans on monarchist Alderaan, if the agricultural workers have begun agitating for a bigger share of the pie or a systemic change, you just know some space melons were going to get cracked by law enforcement. Again, not meant to be unfair in the comparative sense, but people who advocated for the complete stability of broken systems tend to be very susceptible to creeping authoritarianism. Nothing scares a liberally minded soccer mom quite like telling her that you're putting social housing in her neighbourhood. As a law enforcement system, it's going to be good enough. It might creep towards a, you know, US style police shenanigans, but it's unlikely to become North Korea in space. I suppose it's just pretty shitty that, from all prior lore, these spacefaring people aren't capable of much better law enforcement and criminal justice than we are. But why do we even need police? Have you considered how amazing the Outer Rim is? Like, I'm talking no step on snake Tatooine style justice. Men with guns enforcing the law. I'm talking about an Outer Rim model of policing. The galaxy is a large and generally sparsely populated place once you get outside the core. Official figures for Tatooine have the entire planet with a population of 200k, which even if you accounted for Star Wars numbers and multiplied by 10, you'd have a tiny society where Bantha's probably outnumbered people. This really is the wild wild west on a normal day, but when you add in that a lot of these planets are either controlled by criminals, the Hutt Empire is a legitimate political entity built on being criminals, or have a plurality of criminals among their population, like Mos Eisley, a wretched hive of scum and villainy, law and order becomes a bit of a punchline rather than an essential service. Cobb Vanth, the Marshal of Deadwood, I mean Mos Pelgo, pretty much just exists to kill bandits and drug dealers. No traffic tickets are getting issued this side of the Dune Sea. Outer Rim policing is not too dissimilar to corporatist policing in that sense. Anything that interferes with business either has to be killed or pay a financial penalty. Everything that doesn't is fair game. A key difference with the corporatist model, however, is that enforcement is going to be largely decentralised. The moisture farmers co-op can tar and feather any water thief they want, so long as it doesn't interfere with hut, fet, pike operations and money making. The idea of crime in the Outer Rim is going to be highly abstract because so many of the people are objectively criminals. There is always going to be some sort of code of natural justice, but its application is going to rely entirely on the power of the victim or their clan or organization to actually enforce their will on other people. If you live in one of these societies, you're likely going to exist in a weird world where stuff that might get you shot and imprisoned will pass without any consequences and other normal things might get you a blaster bolt to the face. Extortion is likely rampant, but defending yourself against raiders is going to be totally fine. Anakin's assault on the Tusken Raiders would probably be seen as entirely normal by a lot of folks on Tatooine. Likewise, the Tuscans view raiding and slave-taking as wholly legitimate in their own right. In the big cities, you are guaranteed at most some form of peace to carry out commercial activity, under the protection rackets of various crime groups, of course. These will also occasionally help you with other disputes, but generally they will always follow the money. It's entirely possible that someone could kill your entire family and just pay a fine. The, the smaller towns like Mos Pelgo Freetown likely have to offer some form of protection money or tithe, but 
as we see, they also retain a large degree of autonomy. This is going to be going one of two ways. Either your Old West-style posses keeping order in their general area, or some form of defund the police Seattle-style nightmare. Judging from canon, it's 100% clear that although some deals might be made with criminal syndicates, corporatists are going to get shot in these places. Similarly, if you're a thief or a drug pusher without the backing of a large OCG, you're going to get swift and extreme justice in any one of these towns. In many ways, Outer Rim policing represents the worst nightmares and wettest dreams of doomsday preppers worldwide. The isolated rural communities rely on nobody, helping their neighbours and protecting themselves from others who would seek to pillage their peaceful society. They answer to no higher authority and suffer few consequences for many types of crime. At the same time, the cities are crawling with criminals and you aren't guaranteed justice in any way, shape or form. Vice and violence are rampant. Moss Eisley is what extreme conservatives think Copenhagen is. You live by the sabre, you die by the sabre. Not a perfect system, but not exactly miles worse than living in corporate space. Speaking of perfect systems, we have to recognise that it's entirely possible that on some planet in the galaxy, a human or non-human society have been able to effectively eradicate crime and bring about a peaceful, rights-focused legal system. Okay, so probably not humans, but in Star Wars there are so many variations of alien that there's definitely a fully working system somewhere. Bear in mind that there are aliens with heightened senses, weird powers or pheromones that could increase or decrease criminal situations, as well as social structures that might make crime rates be very low to begin with, either through egalitarian policies or ridiculous punishments. You could have an eye-for-an-eye style justice or legalised feuding similar to Albanian blood feuds that wiped out entire generations of young men, or similar to Saudi Arabian justice, if you break somebody's arm, you might pay a fine or have your arm broken in turn. Your species could be based entirely on being stoned hippies and have fully non-violent community resolution. Hell, your biology might make any neuropsychological causes of crime impossible, and greed might be an entirely alien emotion. All crime could be based on market principles, where you only ever pay fines or have to enter labour contracts to make amends. Some sort of libertarian society. If you're a hive species, you might only commit crimes against other species or under direct control of the hive mind. In this case, crime is likely non-existent because free will is non-existent. There are many possible models, but most of them in canon and legend seem to be some form of human-style crime and policing model. It would be interesting to see different ones, but that type of world building is beyond current Star Wars content strategies. Even still, if you can think of a legal system, it probably exists with a law enforcement arm to go along with it. So is this particularly relevant to our current situation, and is this sci-fi going to help us learn any lessons? Well, when it mirrors our past, our present, and looks towards our future, Star Wars can teach us a whole lot about crime and law enforcement. Yes, in practice, we are left to mirror a lot of our current and historical conditions, because it's not aspirational sci-fi, but it is interesting to see what a corporatist dystopia, or a Wild West, or a peaceful society, or space fascism, 
would look like from a law enforcement perspective. In terms of what the various sagas, books and games can really help us understand or sandbox out, there are really only a couple lessons to take away. Firstly, we can't deny that material institutions will always influence and eventually control the enforcement of laws. To paraphrase Cedric Daniels from The Wire, one day you have to decide whether it's about you or about the work. If you make the law serve stability, enforcement will become reactionary in nature. Just what that means depends on what these stable institutions are. If you have a segregated society, enforcement would become about violently enforcing segregation. If you place corporate personhood on par with or above normal personhood, then the economic system and the wealth of those controlling it will often be violently protected. Crime types and rates will be shaped by the foundations that you lay for your system. Violence is met with violence, greed is met with greed, etc. etc. Treating symptoms is always a temporary fix. Even authoritarian regimes could endure, provided they counteract the material causes of criminality. A wealthy, safe population with access to a 75% functioning justice system is highly unlikely to try to topple their autocratic leaders. But if you want a free society, then combating crime really means tackling political corruption and economic deprivation. Something that's entirely possible, but intentionally avoided by both the Empire and the Republic. While it's often both dumbed down and taken to extremes, it's still highly interesting to see what these types of societies would look like, especially if they have lasers and spaceships. The second lesson is that organised crime is big business. It is efficient and nimble and can have all the hallmarks of a functioning, albeit violent, state. The Huts probably run a very tight ship and have numerous basic social services to ensure a steady supply of gang members, victims and customers. The only difference between imperial governors and space slugs is bloated bureaucracy. Both entities exist within structures that are tailored to suck up resources and power and divide them among a select group. Both enforce violence and neither one is particularly objective. Following on from that, it's obvious that fighting this type of crime in Star Wars, as in real life, requires the decriminalization of vice and the enforcement of accountable politics. I would bet my money on the new New Republic conquering hut space long before I would take a chance on that happening in our reality. However, it's super useful to actually see how similar all these types of criminals violent paramilitary organisations and indeed even peaceful centrist societies are when you get down to brass tacks talking about law enforcement. And that's really the whole point of what we see throughout the Skywalker saga, Boba Fett, Andor, Rebels, The Mandalorian, etc. Crime is omnipresent and nobody is really doing anything particularly useful about it. Least of all the new Republicans. The only crime that seems to get noticed is subversion, whether you're a rebel a cop trying to investigate a crime boss, or a runaway slave on a far-off desert planet. No community service cleaning up Bantha Pudu here, folks. It's literally either meh, or you're getting your head bashed in. There's probably no middle ground. So who is your favourite Star Wars criminal, and who is your favourite formal or informal lawbringer? You can let us know over on Twitter at the underscore GTBS, And we'll be back with you in two weeks' time for our episode on how many U.S. Marines it would take to defeat a space marine.
Thanks for downloading and listening to our podcast. If you'd like to share or leave a review on your podcast app, that would be greatly appreciated. And remember to keep your hobbies dumb and compliant with the labor codes of the corporate authority, because that's what both of those things are there for. 